Hey, what's up, family? This is Mario with Rugged33, and today's a special edition. Um, let's see. Uh, you're just going to hear from me today, and today I'm going to talk about a traumatic experience uh, in my life. Uh, my little brother's birthday's coming up, and when he was 17 years old, uh, he passed in a terrible uh, car accident and I remember the day like clear as day I was getting ready to go to work that day and uh, my dad calls me and it was unlike him because my dad really he wouldn't call me uh, you know in the morning during you know right before I'm going to work and so he I mean I could just hear that something was wrong in his voice you know and uh, I just remember him saying, you know, that your brother loved you, right? And right then and there, like, my heart just sunk. And it was like, it was, uh, I I knew something was wrong. And so, he, uh, he told me that, uh, you know, my brother had passed in a car accident. And he was driving home from uh, doing a double work shift he fell asleep at the wheel and uh, it was just it was him and one of his friends driving home from work and uh, so yeah he fell asleep at the wheel and from one moment to the next my life was changed forever and the reason why I thought of, of doing this episode is in a couple of days it's going to be his birthday uh, June 28th It'll be his birthday. But I want to share with you, you know, the traumatic experience and how I got through and what I went through. And um, I know there's people out there that have dealt with loss, you know, uh, losing a loved one either suddenly or over time. Um, so I thought it'd be good to to share. And, it, and it's. It's taken a lot of encouragement um, from my wife, Candy, to my cousin, Melissa, um, to step out and uh, just really share what's on my heart uh, in this area, in this situation. So uh, once I did find out, uh, I was living in California. He was in Montana. And uh, I... Uh, they had this service in Montana for him, and then they had a, a service for our family in California. And um, my dad was was like, "Hey, you, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you be responsible um, to go to the mortuary and set up the uh, the services." And dude, it was so surreal. And and at first. Um, I was just like a zombie. I couldn't believe um, that my brother had passed just so suddenly, you know, young, young man. Uh, he passed uh, Memorial Weekend. It was right, right before, you know, a month before his birthday. And so, um, 
I just remember just being like zombie-like. I would wake up thinking that, hoping that it was a terrible nightmare. Um, but yet to walk in and see my family and just see the despair and, you know, trying to keep it together for my mom, trying to keep it together for my dad. Um, I found myself just stuffing my feelings and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation. And it's crazy because at least my mind playing tricks on me after we had buried and, and, and went through the service and it was, it was just very heartbreaking. Um, and after trying to, you know, get back to n <laughs> what you could say normal life w was very difficult. I fell into a huge depression and just destructive mentality. And it was crazy because at that time I was this young youth pastor, young youth minister coming up. And what it did to my faith, it, it shook my faith. It made me go back and search. And I'm going to I'm going to say this is that I ultimately failed at <laughs> at being a Christian. I mean, I turned so destructive. I had this inner destructive voice. I was mad at God. I didn't want to hear from him. I didn't want to see him. Um, uh, I didn't want to, I was just majorly angry at God and, uh, I couldn't understand. I was like, man, Lord, like, dude, my family has given their life for you, for the gospel, for you. And I mean, from being a missionary and moving over and over again, being the new kid in class and the new kid in the community over and over again, having to start over my parents, having to find a job over again. And, and usually my, my mom would were would start working first and then my dad would find a job as well. And so that, you know, he was bivocational constantly. And so I was so mad at God, like, dude, how could you do this? Like, didn't you know, what it would do to my family it, it it just devastated me it wrecked me and even as i talk about it now i mean i i remember the first time we went to counseling as a family a gr grieving counseling session um do you, like it was so emotional and, and so devastating that i only went one time i went one time with my family and then i i couldn't I just I chose not to go back and uh, so th what I went through was just super destructive I mean uh, drug use and and not sure if I wanted my family and I mean it took such an uh, an effect on me and I take full responsibility I, I mean I was totally destructive and um, I it went on like that for for years and I remember there was a point in time where I was at my worst, you know, I mean, I would, I was involved in, you know, <laughs> definitely, I was definitely a stoner. I didn't drink that much. Um, but then I would, I, I would drink at times when it got really bad. And, and also I'd do psychedelics, I, you know, I was into shrooms and acid. And I, I look back, I was like, man, I was just, you know, I was just very destructive trying to 
find my way through it and turn my back on God and, and at times my family and just shut people out. And what a lot of people didn't know or I thought that I thought that they didn't know that I was just struggling with inner rage and hurt and brokenness. And so by far, I don't use my brother's passing as an excuse. Um, but these were my effects. This is what I went through. This is my perspective and story and how I handled this traumatic experience. Uh, so I remember, I mean, even at times calling my dad and just, you know, he would be like, you know, <laughs> he got so frustrated with me, uh, poor guy, you know, he'd be like, you know, what did you, what kind of drugs did you take this time? Cause I would call him just like completely tore up, completely smashed. And, uh, uh, you know, if anybody who knows my dad, he, I mean, just this amazing man and, and amazing patience and, uh, you know, he's like, what did you do this time? What drugs did you take? Where are you at? You know, and he would, <coughs> he would come pick me up wherever I was at. Uh, <laughs> one time I, I was going to school for, at that time for telecommunications and fiber optics stuff, you know, and, and, uh, so I'm going to school and I'm, uh, I'm smoking weed, I'm doing psychedelics, e even at school, and I got this great idea, which was really bad, but I got this idea that during my lunch break at school, because my, my PlayStation 2 adapter broke, and this was back, like, when PlayStation first came out, the first one, so this is how far back it is, um, so I would, during lunch, I drank, and I, and I did shrooms, and I go to Shopco, and I walked in a shop co I go for I, I go to the the PlayStation, you know, area. I grabbed the um I grabbed the adapter and I took it out of the box and I put it in my pocket. The crazy thing is I was I've never been a thief. I mean I was a lot of other things, but I was never a thief, you know, and so I just grabbed it and I put it in my pocket, went inside the restroom uh, I remember using the restroom. I'm walking out of Shopco. This is in Kalispell, Montana. I'm walking out of Shopco, and all of a sudden I hear, um, excuse me, you need to come with me. And for a split second, I thought of running, but again, I was on psychedelics and alcohol. And um, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to run anywhere. You know, if that I would probably would have run in circles or something. But anyways, and as I'm walking out, most embarrassing thing happened most shameful thing happened it was like one of this one of the old couples from our church sees me like being handcuffed like i mean it was just not a good sight so here i'm all messed up and um i go i go into um they get me and they put me into this room and they're like What's your name? I'm like, Noe Gomez. And they're like, no, that we know Noe Gomez. I'm like, oh, crap, you know? They're like, no, we know Noe Gomez. He's like, but what's your name? I'm like, Noe Gomez. For people who don't know, my first name is Noe, Noe. So my first name is Noe Mario Gomez. But I go by Mario because my dad goes by Noe, you know, so or Noe. And um, so come to find out, they do know the 
they do know my dad because at that time my dad's a chaplain for Kalispell Police Department. So anyways, sheriffs come pick me up. The sheriffs know my dad, of course. They're like, who are you? I'm like, Noe Gomez. I'm like, we've already been through this. And mind you, this whole time, I'm, I have <laughs> drank and did psychedelics, you know, or, or mushrooms. Uh, I, I think they're part of the psychedelic. Anyways, so uh, I, I do that. I'm, I'm walking out handcuffed. They put, I'm in jail. And instantly I know like what the heck did I do in mining I'm still messed up you know and um so I go to jail um I I was in there for three days that's a whole other podcast story so anyways I'm in there in jail for three days now mind you my dad he was (laughs) my dad didn't come see me and if you guys know my dad he's I mean, he's he's a good man. He's an amazing man. And I understand why he didn't come see me. When I went in front of the judge, the judge asked my dad, turned to my dad, and he's like, uh, Chaplain Gomez, what would you like for us to do with your son? And my dad's like with no breath. He's, you know, he's just like, keep him. He needs to learn his lesson. And I, of course, I expected that out of my dad, you know, and no hard feel. I have no hard feelings towards my dad for doing that, you know. Uh, He knew, my dad knew what I needed. I was his son. He invested a lot of time into me. So anyways, I remember though when I was getting out, I was in there for three days. I was like, I had like 13 counts of, you know, weed paraphernalia and um, standing in front of the judge. I'm, you know, I had to do community service, time served, all that kind of stuff. So I'm waiting for my dad to pick me up in the morning and I'm like, oh, man, he's he's probably going to sock me or kick me in the butt or something like that. You know, and I'm, I was so glad he had this Ford F-350 and I could sit all the way on the other side. So but he picks me up and he's he didn't say one word. And I think it was like I think that was like the worst. Just like me disappointing him. So this destructive inner voice that I had inside of me, um, man, led me to dark places, not good places in this traumatic experience. And I went through it for, I want to say, probably about, you know, two years as far as like the drug use and just major depression. I I remember one time my parents and, and, and this is how I started coming out of it. I remember I had one of my cousins pick me up because I was all jacked up on I don't know what at the time. And I was like, dude, you need to come pick me up. I need to go to church. And I was just tired. I was tired of the anger, of the hurt, of the pain. I was just tired of it. And so what ends up happening is he comes, picks me up. I sit in the front of the church and uh, I'm trying to like read the Bible. Now, mind you, I am stoned at the time. I'm messed up and I couldn't focus on anything. I'm sitting in church all messed up. Can't focus on anything. Uh, my parents, that day after after church, they had this big barbecue for youth with a mission. And they would feed the the SBS students and the Titus students. And the, the, they would feed the students at our house. They would have this big barbecue. Well, I was so messed up. I'm coming down. I just went up into my parents' room. And I... Uh, I passed out. I fell asleep. 
they would come check on me every so often. Once everybody had left, I was just at my breaking point um, at that time. And so some of the feelings and some of the things that I went through were um, before I finished that story is um, a lot of heartache. Man, my heart would actually I don't I don't know if you guys ever been through a traumatic or hurtful place where my actual heart would hurt. And um, and any time my brother was brought up, of course, I mean, most people would say very kind and nice things, you know, and you have a handful of jerks and we'll get into that. But most people would, you know, especially like my family, they would want to talk about him in front of me or stuff like that. And inside, I was like rage against the machine. There's like this crazy rage that would would build up and I just didn't want to hear any of it and I would hold it in and um, people would be laughing and enjoying the stories of my brother and, and their experiences with him and but inside I was just so jacked up just so hurt um, I didn't want to hear it but I would never I would never put that on anybody else you know as far as them enjoying their experience i wouldn't share those feelings i'd just hold it all in and um so i would experience rage i would, I would experience anger i'd experience heartbreak and and just major depression when his birthday would come it was just horrible horrible i didn't want to shower or shave or do anything you know I would want to hide and be in my room so that I didn't have to face like I as a son and I'm I'm the I was the oldest and I felt like I had to be strong and keep things together you know because obviously my mom was devastated my dad was devastated my dad wouldn't even talk about my brother and it was like in glimpses maybe once every two years you know um so i thought i had to keep it together and of course my sister was devastated now the the background on mine and my brother's relationship is there's three of us there's my sister and we're all four years apart then there's me and then there's my brother steve right and so because my my dad was gone a lot um, as far as working, you know, he's by vocational pastor, man. And uh, starting new churches takes a lot of time. That was that was their ministry, our ministry, because where they went, we went. That's why, you know, I, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but, you know, I lived in Miami and Lancaster. My, my brother was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um back to long beach to wilmington um and then from there to montana um so you know we i've been around but because my dad was gone so much um my 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 little brother was was almost like my son because i taught him how to tie his shoes i taught him how to throw a baseball you know um I taught him those kinds of things um, of usually what a dad does. And it's not to uh, throw shade on my dad or anything because my dad was amazing. 
But it's just so that you guys understand our relationship. So when he passed, it was almost like I lost a son. Dude, I, I could remember, like, I would read to him at night when he would go to bed. You know? Um, and then as we got older and he played football and, and, and baseball, he, he was an amazing athlete. He was amazing, um, most of all, amazing musician. He was into the hip-hop scene, underground hip-hop scene, and and uh, he was just just really good at that. And and even in the Christian world, he would he would dip into churches and he would uh, a minister, you know, at youth events and rallies and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that was our relationship. It was like I was I was more like his dad, and so. For somebody to be taken so quickly from you, it, it it almost seems surreal. It almost seems like it's not real. And so my mind would play tricks on me. Sometimes I would wait up for him to come home or wait for a call, you know. Um, there was a point in time where I, I couldn't say that he had passed. There was a point in time where I would say like, oh, yeah, y you know, my brother's situation. But now going through the healing process and going through counseling and, and of course, guided by the Holy Spirit, um, uh, I can say that, yeah, my brother did, you know, he passed in a horrible car accident and it devastated me. But the saving grace of God is, uh, is so amazing that he kept me. Was I perfect in the situation? No, man, I was so messed up. I was so jacked up. But he also led me to counseling. And, and I continue to go to counseling. Part of my chaplaincy, uh, the, they call it um, CPE. And it's, um, you know, clinical pastoral education. And it's a lot of self-reflection. It's a lot of... Um, dealing with your issues how could i as a chaplain deal with people's issues if i haven't dealt with mine and so as i go through that i continue to go through healing now mind you my brother passed when i was uh tw 21 22 and i'm going to be 45 july 23rd in a situation like this you never get over it, but you learn how to live life differently. You learn how to deal with it differently. And um, because because you've been through something so traumatic, it's for me. I it was almost like I didn't want to hear from people. Um, at times, you know, in counseling, unless they had went through what I went through. You know, I felt like they couldn't have empathy. They couldn't understand. But the more and more I go to counseling, which it's good for you to go. I, I'm saying if, if you've been through something traumatic, it's important for you to go to counseling and and of course go to God. You know, um, and, and sometimes people are like, gosh, Pastor Mari, you know, you talk a lot about counseling and I, it, to, to the Christians out there. um. It's important that you go to God. That's the first place that you should run to. You could, so when you're talking to somebody like me, it's like, 
I believe that you're already doing that. I believe that you're already bringing it to him. But there's also another resource, and that's counseling. Counseling is amazing and great, and it's awesome. I, I've learned so much through it, so much about myself. And even for me to come on to talk about, do you don't know the prayer and courage it took for me to come on, to step outside of myself, to be fearless when... Uh, to be fearless when you're afraid. So back to the story. Um, just devastated me, man. And, and now we fast forward as I went through counseling. And and, and uh, that, that day of the barbecue for Youth with a Mission at my parents' house, I was just at ropes in. I was just tired. I was tired of living the life of... That <laughs> Man, it was not good. I, man, I partied like a rock star, and it wasn't good. Total, total prodigal son story, like the wasteful son. Uh, it's definitely me. I identify with it. So, after everybody was gone, my parents left. I don't know where they went, and I went into the middle of this field. Now, mind you, I'm in Montana. My parents. We have a family home and we have 17 acres and it's beautiful. It brushes up against the Rockies and the front 10 acres is pasture land for horses and stuff like that. So it's very beautiful. And uh, I remember it was, a, it was a summer day and this may sound weird to you, but for me, man, it was, it was, it was the start of the healing process. So I walk out to the middle of the field. I get on my knees and I had nowhere else to go. And I didn't want to go anywhere. I tried everything from drugs to alcohol to women to bad relations. I mean, it was not good. So I go on my go in the middle of this field. Beautiful. And I mean, if you could imagine the tall grass, you know, in the Rockies. And um, sunny day, and I remember just getting on my knees and looking up to the sky. And uh, I was like, Lord, I know you're there, but I've been so angry and mad at you for, for years. Because I don't understand your plan. I don't understand. But I would like for you to take away... I would like for you to take away the alcohol and drug abuse and the self-destructive inner voice that I have. And when I, when I say that, it's because I, I was in my head a lot. I, I don't know if you've ever dealt with anxiety. I mean, I had crazy anxiety. It wasn't good. I would, I would call my mom crying like, you need to take me to a crazy house because I couldn't control my thoughts. So what ends up happening is as I um, I was just talking to God, just like I'm talking to you in the middle of this field and I'm looking up and I'm like, I didn't feel anything. There wasn't like this thunderous voice or a brush of wind. I didn't feel one thing. I ended my prayer. I cried out to him. I ended my prayer. And mind you, I used to 
I used to have this saying, like, man, sometimes I feel like my prayers bounced off the ceiling. I had, like, he didn't hear me. So I get up off my knees. And from that point on, the drug abuse, little by little, started going away. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, it, it wasn't an instant healing because I believe in healing, but it wasn't instant. It was over time. And I was able to, over time, I was able to conquer the drugs, the alcohol, the, the, the negative inner voice, the destructive inner voice. It wasn't just negative. It was destructive. I was killing myself slowly, but surely not just spiritually, but in every way. And so from that day, um, I, st- I, I just stopped drinking and I stopped doing drugs. Um, but I was still in my thought and little by little, as I went to counseling and as I was disciplined to stay in God's word and to read it and to li- try and live by it, to, to make an honest effort to live perfect. Absolutely not. You know, I, I struggled, but I didn't struggle with the, the alcohol and the, the drugs any longer in the party life. I, I struggled with, with the pain. See, because when you're going through something so traumatic, um, there's a lot of feelings that come along with it. And if you don't have an outlet, it's almost like if hot water heaters, if it doesn't have an outlet, it's going to blow up. And a lot of, and I would blow up. I would snap. I would would snap verbally, emotionally. It it just wasn't good. So I'm, I'm telling you, friends, like you do need an outlet. You need, that's why counseling and confession First, confessing to God, like he, that's an outlet. He's taking it from you where you don't have to carry it anymore. And you're walking around. Dude, I was walking around and sometimes I still walk around with traumatic experiences. And as they come revealed to me, then I'm like, OK, I want to give this to God and I want to work through it. I want to explore through it. What are the feelings that come along with these traumatic experiences that you've been through? Whether you've lost somebody suddenly or you've been physically, sexually, or verbally abused. Whatever traumatic experience you've been with, there's residue that comes along with it. But there is answers and there are resources for you out there. And it's important for us to get healing. So that we're not walking around with all this because it messes with your perspective. It messes with who you think you are. It messes with your relationships. It messes with you. So I'm talking about some self-care here. First, giving it to God and then using resources that he has for us to be available to use and say, okay, um, I I need to talk to somebody. Believe it or not, talking is so powerful. People always say, uh, Pastor Martin Chaplin, why is it? What's what's talking going to do? It's a release valve. 
It's so that you can sort through and explore your situations. And, you know, people, that's what I'm trained in as a, as a, as a chaplain, as a clinical chaplain. And so I do, uh, I CPE myself and I CPE my family and I CPE other people. I, I basically listen and, and filter out myself, move myself out of the way so I could really hear what the person is saying. So I could properly serve them, not in what I believe they need, but what the person needs, the patient or the parishioner or whoever I'm talking to. So what does Mario need at this time? Right? What do I need? What do you need? If you're that person who's been through something so traumatic, what is it that you need? Of course, of course. People with toxic religion, you're, you're probably going to want to shut this off because we say crazy stuff like Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. He is. That's the first place you should run to. The first person you should go to. But he also gives us resources. If that wasn't the case, then he wouldn't have fed people. Right? He did things in the physical as well. He also talks to Nicodemus. And I'll paraphrase. He says, uh, how, uh, I, basically, I want to show you spiritual things, but you can't even understand the physical. So I'm asking you today. Have you been through something traumatic? It's important. Yeah, give it to God. And I don't say that lightly. Right? His scripture says, um, he guides the steps of a righteous man. He's going to guide you to healing. He's going to lead you to healing. But a lot of us, we walk around and then we wonder why, especially as dudes, we wonder why we do snap. We wonder, like, who's helping you? Who's lifting you up? Who's carrying you? Do we really give it to God? Do you really give it to God or do you just carry it? Or is it in your subconscious, in the in the back of your mind, in the back of your heart, and and when something triggers it, right? I I can't. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. The first time I seen the newspaper clipping of my brother's car, dude, I was devastated, and that was the last time that I looked at it. It didn't even look like a car. So I'm telling you. My bros, my lady, <laughs> my, my friends, my lady friends who are listening. There's traumatic things that have happened in your life and you've stuffed them. You've stuffed them and you haven't dealt with them. Maybe you've acknowledged it, but you haven't got help for it. And I urge you today. I heard you today. My brother's birthday is coming up in a couple of days. And, and I could feel the, the depression trying to sneak on. And I'm like, nah, not this year. You know, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate him. I'm going to celebrate his life. I'm going to celebrate his birthday. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Those feelings, 
right? The the feelings of I miss him. I'll own him. I'll own him. And if anybody knows my brother, which a lot of a lot of you listeners do, do he he was the life of the party, man. He was the life of the party. He walked in and and dude just everybody liked him. It wasn't like me. You know, like he, everybody just loved him and liked him, and it was really funny and and just a a nice dude, man. Very loving. He always went for the underdog. You know, he was actually a boxer, and uh, I, you know, so he boxed. I was I was in wrestling, so you put us two together. Oh man, we would have some good fights, and and uh, because he was a boxer, he didn't mind hitting people in the face, you know. And I'm like, hey dude, I'm your brother. Don't be hitting me in the face, man. And then he's like, no, you want to go, you know? So you can only imagine my poor parents, you know, after a while, my, my mom's like, they're going to kill each other. No, you go get him. You know, and my dad would break us up, you know, but I'm just, I just wanted to share with you guys on rugged 33. Hey man, we've all been through something, something heavy. Maybe you're going through something traumatic right now, or maybe something's coming up traumatic. It's time for you to deal with it. Have courage. And, and I'm speaking to myself too. Have courage. You weren't meant to live. You weren't meant to live that way. You weren't meant to live in depression, in darkness, in rage, in anger, in destructive mentality and voice you weren't made to live that way we're meant to live a good life and when i say good life i know that there's teachings and thoughts that go out there even in the christian world that hey you come to christ everything's going to be great and dandy that's not true you know what is true is that you are going to go through some stuff but our faith, our faith in Christ keeps us. Uh, that's a faith we have. And you guys see some of my posts, uh, uh, I'll post on there, you know. Um, you know, live in faith, not in feelings. And, and am I saying disregard your feelings? No, because they're important. You need to deal with them. But I can't always go off my feelings. You know, Scripture says our heart is deceitful. And let me prove it to you because one minute I'm good. I think I want this, that, and the other. And then the next time I'm like, yeah, I don't want that. Or I get it and it's not enough. So anyways, I just wanted to share. Um, to me, it's it's special. Um, I appreciate all my friends and family that have been championing me in this time to step out and to share a little bit about myself a lot of people they're like man you you interview people but we we'd like to hear about you and and rugged 33 and what's that all about and what it looks like so little by little listeners you'll get a get some episodes of uh you know what i've went through and yeah what it looks like what it looked like where i'm at today You'll get some episodes about uh, me and Rugged 33. So with that, my last words, uh, I know it's a short one, but 
definitely heartfelt and it's been a build-up to even get this out there you know and um so i just want to say my last words all rugged 33 listeners um if you believe that this could help somebody um share it share it not just because i'm trying to build listeners but uh, i always want to champion people and and bring people to the good life so i appreciate you thank you so much rugged 33 listeners peace out this is mario god bless